0: Hey, it's Damon here with a quick message of thanks to a new contributor to the Who Am I Really podcast on Patreon.com, Brad. When I got the message that he donated to the show, I smiled really big because I knew someone else thinks this platform for Adoptee Stories, this work to share our truths, is valuable. That's the signal your contributions send to anyone you contribute to, be it my show, another podcast a mobile app you use a lot on your phone, or a charity you support. I hope you'll take a moment to find the creators you like and appreciate on Patreon and support their work. Once again, thanks very much, Brad.
1: We took a couple pictures and she gave me a hug and she started walking across the parking lot and she got about halfway to the car And she turned around and came running back and gave me a great big hug. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the best hug I've ever had in my life. And I think probably I was worried I was going to be abandoned by someone who I found. Who am I?
0: Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I? Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today you're going to meet Michael, who called me from Atlanta, Georgia. Michael grew up with adoptive parents who were functional alcoholics, which meant they had a dysfunctional home with a narcissistic mother and a detached father. When DNA testing linked Michael with his maternal family, he learned that his siblings knew about him, but his birth mother was kept in the dark that her secret had been revealed. In reunion, Michael's eyes were opened to the meaning of nature versus nurture when he found shared physical traits and common interests in athletics, music, and more. Now, Michael helps run an Adoptees Connect group in Atlanta. This is Michael's Journey. Michael's adoptive father was the oldest of 12 siblings from a poor family that lived in Illinois. The man was a standout all state high school athlete in basketball and football. His adoptive mother was the only child in her family, which had a rich history and a legacy to continue. The pair got married in college and moved to Glenview, Illinois. They tried to have a baby for more than 10 years with no
1: luck. In 1961, I was adopted and now I say purchased from the cradle society because they needed legacy. You know, they didn't have a baby to hand down the family history. And, you know, I sat in the cradle society for two months before they brought me home. And I really don't know why. And then two years later, they adopted my sister, which we have no relation. At that point with the pressure off in 1964, my adoptive mom gets pregnant. You know, you hear this story all the time once the, you know, pressure's off. So as my adoptive sister and I say, the chosen one (laughs) came Hmm. along. But my sister and I always knew we were adopted. And in 1965, we moved to Southern California. And of course, my grandmother immediately came out because we were the only family she had, you know, at that point. And she was pretty special. Grandmother was special. And she always would tell me stories about my father and the history of the family and telling me how great her father was. And, you know, as a kid, you just kind of soak that in. You don't you don't really care. You know, you don't I didn't think of it at all, you know, and from 65 to like 1981, we had a great neighborhood. There must have been 25 kids in the neighborhood. You know, I still know a lot of those friends today, but my mom and dad were basically functional alcoholics. So the family life was a bit chaotic and dysfunctional on a regular basis, you know, and they would, you know, they worked, you know, dad worked six days a week, pretty disconnected. And mom worked Monday through Friday. And so we were latchkey kids, but it was a great neighborhood to grow up in. But of course, with the dysfunctional stuff that goes on, when I was about 12, my mom had a big falling out with her mother, my grandmother that we were all close to, and she never talked to her again. We She was cut off from all of us with all we got was an, you know, occasional phone call with her. And, you know, it was she would always ask me what what she did wrong. You know, what do you know at, you know, 14, 15 years old? You don't know. And, and being that grandmother was so special, she is probably, as I look back, who I bonded to out of everyone, the best. And I didn't realize that until after, you know, I connected with the adoption world and, and figured out the whole bonding thing.
0: How, so, can you give me examples of yep. how you bonded with her?
1: Um, she was, again, you know, she was very wealthy. You know, that's why I was purchased, (laughs) but she was an actress and she would read Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn, and she could put all the accents and all the character that when she read the book, it was like the characters came alive. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, every time she would come over and visit, she would read to me out of all these books. And I was always just fascinated with that kind of stuff. You know, it just really connected with me. So when she was, you know, when she was gone, it created more dysfunction. And so, of course, typical teenager, I started, you know, drinking and doing drugs probably around 13, 14, you know, bright and early because mom and dad always had alcohol around, you know. And I remember I was driving because at one point I got in a huge argument with mom. And this is the part it was it was. You know, I wanted to share with other adoptees, maybe they had this happen, but she came running out of her room and told me to, you know, said, get out of my house and threw all of my adoption paperwork at me and said, go find your real family and live with them.
0: Shut up. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a horrible thing to do.
1: Yeah. I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I mean, it just it happened.
0: So man well, you have oh. just blasted through so much stuff it's really unbelievable um and I just want to pause yeah, you for well, a quick second was your sense that your adopted mother was intoxicated at the moment of this particular outburst
1: no she was not it was during the day I remember it distinctly wow. yeah she was mad at me you know it was kind of a constant chaos of yelling and screaming at the house and that was usually in the evenings remember they 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 went to work. They did their nine to five, you know, and, you know, they provided. But in the evening, the alcohol came out and that's when the chaos happened. And I mean, at 16, I could leave the house. Nobody even, you know, they didn't care, you know. Right. So, yeah. What, what were some was other
0: elements of functional alcoholism in your home? You say chaos, but can you clarify kind of what that means?
1: Uh, that there was a lot of arguing and yelling and screaming in the evenings after the drinking started between mom and dad and maybe the kids. Uh, well, between my adopted sister and I, you know, like, now that we're all grown up, the, the, the three of us can agree that the chosen one, she didn't get in much trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. She was okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was just, you know, I mean, that, that typical stuff. And dad was, since he was a sports star in high school, I mean, his whole world was just watching, you know, back in those days, too bad there wasn't ESPN, but, you know, he was either listening to AM radio or watching whatever, you know, sports was on TV. And so it was not, you know, it wasn't the comfy, cozy, leave it to beaver.
0: Yeah. Doesn't (laughs) sound like it at all. Discussing his relationships with his siblings, he says everyone gets along now, but it's commonly understood among them that their mother was a bit narcissistic. But Michael reminded me that she was a very wealthy only child growing up, so some of her behavior was ingrained. He said his bonds came from his many friends in the neighborhood. One of Michael's friend's mothers was a stay-at-home mom who's a wonderful person he's still in touch with today. Speaking on his relationship with his younger adoptive sister, he said they weren't very close back then and it's a missing bond underscored by what he sees in his own children today. Sometimes he'll call one of them on the phone, ask what they're up to, and his kids are at one another's houses just hanging out. Not something Michael and his sister usually do. When I asked whether he had anything in common with his parents, Michael said he probably could have been any kind of athlete he wanted, but his chosen sport was swimming. For his Midwestern, all-state, multi-sport athlete father, swimming wasn't his thing.
1: Swimming was wasn't considered a sport to him. You know, it was either football, basketball or baseball that was his world. Right. Actually in high school I swam and he came to one he it was state finals. He came to one meet. He would, he didn't come to any others, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure my mom made him come. You know, I right. mean otherwise he wouldn't. Yeah. He was very disconnected with, from the family. He he worked 6 days a week. And we joked, you know, now we joke, he took Fridays off because Fridays was when no one was around, <laughs> you know, he didn't, you know, he worked Saturday and Sunday. He didn't want to be around anybody.
0: And, and how about with your mom? Did you have anything in common with her prior to that outburst?
1: Oh, no, no, no. It was just, she was mom, you know, and that was about it. She was just out know, kind of here. Yeah, she was just there. So, so you
0: you got into some substance abuse in your teenage years and sorry, tell me again where you grew up.
1: Los Angeles. Well, I was adopted in Illinois mm-hmm. and at five years old we
0: moved to um Los Angeles. Gotcha. You moved to LA at five. So, yeah. And then you got into yeah. substance abuse. And then, of course, got a job in the entertainment yeah. industry. What was that like?
1: It was it was a great job. Uh you know, it I worked there for almost 15, 16 years, um, and I was the first of three employees that ended up being 250. It was a great opportunity. I, you know, it really was a wonderful place to work in the end. I met my wife the same year that I started working, Mm -hmm. and we we got married and had a daughter and then my son, and then in 91, at that point, I was making way too much money because of the entertainment industry, and I had a race car you know, a a very fast race car and I crashed it one night and that was in 91. And I quit drinking and doing drugs and smoking. That's a longer story. All that night. That was it. You know, I basically saw God, you know. Really? (laughs) Did you almost die Um, in that accident? Um, no, but I could have. I was very fortunate, very fortunate. So in 94, you know, we, we had, that was a rough spot, obviously in our marriage. But we had our second son, and we had two names picked out for him, and it was either James or Daniel, right? And his name's Daniel, so, you know, that's. so we have our three kids, they're all grown up. In
0: 1995, Michael's family moved to Atlanta, Georgia, for his company, which had a contract for the 1996 Olympic Games. The family fell in love with the city, and the food. Michael's weight rose to 275 pounds, requiring him to take blood pressure and cholesterol medications. He started working out, running, mountain biking, and adventure racing. Michael got in such great shape, he's competed in five Ironman triathlons. For context, a sprint triathlon is roughly a half-mile swim, 12 miles of cycling, and a three-mile run. An Ironman triathlon is nearly two and a half miles of swimming, 112 miles of cycling, and a 26.2 mile run, a full marathon. And just so you know, race rules allow 17 hours to complete the entire race. I think I would need about a week. Anyway, back in 2005, Michael completed an Ancestry DNA test to learn more about his heritage. He admitted he had the classic who am I? Curiosity that many adoptees face. It revealed he is 45% Russian Finnish, an interesting fact, but he didn't do anything with the information. Years later, Michael decided to take a 23andMe DNA test to get more data for his health, nutrition, and athleticism.
1: So 23 comes back, and sure enough, I'm 45% Finnish. You know, they both are pretty accurate. So, Fast forward to 2019, I get, you know how, I don't know if people know, 23andMe, you constantly get updates about new DNA checks, you know, of what they're checking for. And I check the family thing and whatnot, and lo and behold, here's Chuck at 29%, my nephew, Allie, a first cousin, Megan, a first cousin, and Ben, a first cousin, on the thing. So I, So I create a letter, you know, not knowing. And I just said, hey, I don't know anything about it. Maybe we're closely related. And if you want to chat, I'm open. And a week later, I get a phone call from Florida. And I blow it off. And I get a text message. And then it's like, oh, it's Chuck, you know, who's calling me. And so I have a workout room in my basement. So I go down there because I need some quiet place to make the phone call (laughs) because he says you know give me a call and i call him up and i said so chuck apparently we might be related and he goes well are you sitting down and i go well matter of fact i am and he goes well i'm your brother
0: jeez (laughs) yeah
1: and i can honestly say at that point we talked for 45 minutes and i really don't remember what we talked about (laughs) you know I just, you know, I was completely lost. Yeah. And the one thing he did say is that I had a half-sister in Florida, too. And my birth mother wants to know if I had a good life. And how did that land when he asked you that? Boy, did that land hard. You know, because I have your workout room. I have mirrors. So I stand up and I look at myself. And you're sitting there looking at yourself going, okay, I'm 58 years old. Have I had a good life? I mean, it's so hard. You know, when people say something like that, it's, you know, yeah, okay. But when your birth mother asks you that, you know, and after, I do remember what I told them, it took me a little while to figure it out, is that, you know, I spend a lot of time riding my bike, you know, because of Ironman. Mm. And I've talked to all three of my kids and I always say to them, I go, look, if I get hit on my bike today and I die. I go, I want you guys to all know I had a really good life. No regrets. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want my kids to think, you know, oh, dad had more years. And so that's how I conveyed it to him. You know, if I'm telling my kids that, you know, why can't I tell my birth mother that?
0: So, yeah,
1: I don't. Yeah, that's yeah. really, so, really
0: wild. So Chuck calls okay. you, gets you on the phone. But did you say when you saw him online, you thought he was a cousin?
1: Yeah, 23 and me had it wrong.
0: Really? It didn't
1: have him as a brother. Yeah. And so, so how, how really did he
0: know he was your brother? Well,
1: as it turns out, my half-sister in Florida, my, my birth mother was divorced, right? And when my half-sister got pregnant with her first child 28 years ago now, he told her and we don't to this day we don't know why cuz he passed away he told her that you know you have a half brother out there somewhere cuz she had before she got married not to my not to my biological father but to her husband before they got married she felt it was right that he knew that she had given a kid up for adoption so she told him and she told my half sister and she in turn told my half brother but he made him promise to never tell my mom my biological mom that they knew.
0: So let me make sure I understand. So your biological mother gives you up for adoption. She later goes on to marry a man that is not your biological father. But before marrying him, she tells this second guy, because she felt like she needed to, I have a child out there. And then that man, your uh, I don't know how to call him your stepfather, but not
1: he's not even yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so so this guy, her husband, now has her secret, and he elects to tell their children, but makes the children promise not to tell your biological mother that they know. Is that correct?
1: That's right. That's right. Wow. So I'm a secret.
0: <laughs> so you're you're yeah, a secret, but yeah. everybody knew. The kids were told by yeah, their father, but their mother, yeah. your mother, didn't know that they knew. That is crazy.
1: That's right. That's right. Wow. Right. Yeah. And and actually, when my brother had to contact her and say, hey, mom, there's this guy who was like maybe my uncle on 23 and Me," She actually said, we need to sit down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And... It, that's when my half brother said, "That's okay, mom. We know."
0: <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, she was yeah. probably setting up yeah. to like probably getting herself geared up to lower the boom and drop the secret and and it was already out there. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So I get off the phone with my brother, now my first and only brother, you know, cuz I had two sisters growing up, and I don't know why Damon, but the very first thing, who's the very first phone call I want to make to? My adoptive sister. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. Just because probably because she would understand, you know, maybe. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Mike, yeah. w- were you guys and, close by this point? Closer as adults than you were as, as you had been
1: at senior? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say we were closer. We're good with each other. You know, I mean, we yeah. talk somewhat regularly. And immediately, the first thing she says, I'm doing 23 me tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow well yeah.
1: karen it, i'm already you know i'm already spinning and i'm going uh karen you better take long hard
0: <laughs> yeah for sure but
1: whatever so as i'm talking i hang up with her and i call my daughter and my daughter who is she's a nurse practitioner and she kind of knew i had told her that you know i had to hit you know the 23 percent. she knew it was a half brother you know Because of the, you know, she understands the DNA more than I do. And she was all excited that she knew. And as I'm talking to her, I get a couple of text messages and this is when time stops for me because I look down and I go, Jessica, I got to call you back. And here are the pictures of my birth mother and my birth father with their names Wow. from college. They were they were a college affair they were a one-night stand kind of thing yeah and all of a sudden for the first time ever I got to see you know pictures of my biological mom and dad you know
0: mm. what did you think when you saw yeah. them did they, and, did you look like them what did you would you see
1: oh uh, yeah my biological father yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no question there about that.
0: Michael spent that entire night on the internet searching for more information about both birth parents. He barely slept for two nights as he traversed the depths of the internet. Michael's daughter was searching too. They found some people they thought were his siblings on social media, and Michael spent hours examining what he thought might be his sister. He wasn't positive he was really looking at his sister though because he couldn't remember the names his brother had shared on the phone. Michael had been in such shock over their telephone reunion. But he did remember one thing his brother said before they hung up. His sister would want to talk to him too, but it would probably be a few days.
1: And so, like, the next day, I get a text message and it says, are you ready for a phone call? And I said, absolutely. This is where I really learned, I never knew nature versus nurture. Didn't care, Mm -hmm. right? This girl called me. She's 10 years younger. We were born only 10 days apart from each other. We are. We were both problem kids in high school. We both swam in high school. Probably could have been collegiate swimmers, but no, we were having too much fun. Mm-hmm. We both paddleboard. We both surf. We both mountain bike. And we both compete in triathlon. Shut up.
0: Are <laughs> you serious? That's crazy.
1: Yeah. And this is where it gets really fun is she was a. Die Hard Death Leopard fan. She yeah. would you go across the country to their concerts, <laughs> right? Yeah. A real groupie. Right. If my wife calls me, the ringtone for my wife is a death leopard song.
0: Yeah, it's hilarious.
1: Are you kidding? I me? know. That's crazy. Yeah. And I must have at one point told her about my because I have my adoption paperwork, right? All of it from the state of Illinois and Cradle Society. You know my non-identifying and all of that stuff right Mm -hmm. and i probably talked to her about it we talked for almost two and a half hours and that's when she told me about her you know dad telling her about me and what was really amazing is that she actually purchased books on tape back then when she found out she had a half brother Mm -hmm. uh, books on tape on how to search for a relative she was actually searching for me
0: oh wow that's really cool
1: and yeah, and she said the same thing I did. Is that when you're sitting in the airport, you're always looking around and wondering,
0: is that my relative? Mm-hmm. Wow, yep. that is unbelievable.
1: Then she said, "Well, I'm going to friend you on Facebook." And by the way, she said she actually said this: "Our mom." That's how she said it. Our mom wants you to friend her on Facebook. Oh wow, that yeah. must have
0: been kind of cool, yeah, right? huh? That's like a warm feeling that she was, immediately shared it, what it, could have been her mom with you.
1: Right. Instead of being her mom. So sure enough, I friended her and within a couple of minutes, you know, she said she did a little wave and she goes, I, she goes, would you like to have a phone call? And I said, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, you know, called my mom, you know, for the very first time. And of course, I didn't sleep that night trying to think about what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. And there was one thing I wanted to say to her is that I I think my kids were just like most parents all, you know, they all think their kids are very special. And I just wanted to you know, say to her, thanks for the choice you made, you know, back in 61 or 1960, because if you didn't make that choice, my children wouldn't be here, you know, and that's how I started it out. She's quite the woman. You know, I mean, she's she's lived a full life, you know, yeah. as far as, you know, her whole life. But we talked for about two hours. And sure enough, the race car I drive, she had almost the identical car.
0: <laughs> Shut up. Are you serious?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very crazy. rare. What rare. kind of car is it? I had, know, a be- I had a Sunbeam Tiger and she had a Sunbeam Alpine, which you wouldn't know, but you can look them up. They're they're very rare. And uh, a Sunbeam Tiger was considered a Corvette killer in the 1960s because it was faster than a Corvette. Oh, really? So she had the Sunbeam Alpine, which was a six-cylinder Wow! instead of incredible. the eight-cylinder.
0: So you and your yeah. birth mother drove the same little sports car? Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. I've heard some we interesting were, yeah. things that people share, but wow, yeah. that's really a mean, fascinating yeah. connection.
1: But she's, she is a very down-to-earth, um, you know, speaks her truth, you know, no problem. And I did ask her about the non-identifying paperwork, and she said, yeah, it was all very accurate. And then my big question to her, which she was didn't have any problem, was, and believe it or not, I didn't know this until this all went down, you know, until I found everyone, is I didn't even know that abortion was illegal back in the 1960s, mm, mm-hmm. Right? And her father was a doctor. And she, when she told her mom and dad, you know, dad said, look, it's either an abortion or or adoption. You know, it's either or. And she just didn't feel like it was right to do an abortion. You know, and it would have been real easy with him being a doctor. Mm-hmm, right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so it was, And, of course, the fun part, remember my son, who's Daniel? Mm-hmm. We had two names picked out. She said to me, she goes, you know, I heard that you were named Baby Boy Ponzer on your paperwork. And I said, yeah. She goes, well, I named you. And I really wasn't ready for that. You know, I could have, everything else was okay to talk about. I go, I never thought about her giving me a name. And she goes, I named you after my best friend. And I said, yeah. She goes, you want to know? And I go, of course. And she goes, I named you Daniel. And so you were
0: given course, the name at birth that you ultimately gave to one of your sons. I,
1: I gave my son. And remember, we had two names picked out. Guess who my birth father's name was? James. Same as mine. That was the other name. We had Daniel and James picked out for my third son and my birth father.
0: James. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is crazy.
1: I know. I know. So, and then there's, You know, and then more of this nature versus nurture. I said my daughter was a nurse practitioner, right? Mm -hmm. Well, nobody in my family is in the medical field at all. And my daughter always wanted to be a nurse. Well, of course, what's my biological mom? She's Mm -hmm. a nurse, of course.
0: Michael said after that first introduction, he just kind of went numb for about two weeks. He didn't know how to feel. They traded text messages back and forth, exchanging photos, and Michael started seeing the mirroring that was absent from his life before reunion. He told me he and his sister look so much alike, they could be twins. Trying to navigate everything, Michael went to a therapist to talk things through. But he admitted the person wasn't an adoption-competent therapist, so when Michael finished sharing what he had been through, the woman simply said, Wow, what an amazing story. Not even close to what he needed to start navigating reunion. Michael began feeling the need to actually meet his newfound family in person, so he asked whether everyone was going to be around one weekend because he wanted to drive out to meet them. The family packed their camper and drove out Friday morning.
1: You know, I, of course, I didn't sleep Thursday night, and I'm meeting my sister on Friday morning for breakfast, so she's headed out of town. And I texted her and I go, you know, I feel like I'm about to go on a date with a girl, but ten, you know, my first date with a girl, but 10 times worse. And yeah. she goes, I'm glad you said that because that's what it feels like for me.
0: That's so funny.
1: <laughs> and we got to the restaurant and I sat down across from her and I looked in her eyes and I said, oh, it's real. And she goes, yes, it is real. You know, the whole phone calls and whatnot, it just, it, it wasn't wasn't real until I until I sat there looking at her, you know? And one of the things that I think adoptees would understand is that we sat there for 2 hours and, you know, of course neither one of us ate, and my wife and her husband ate, you know, <laughs> they were having a conversation. <laughs> and we walked out and we took a couple of pictures and she gave me a hug and she started walking across the the parking lot and she got about halfway to the car and she turned around and came running back and gave me a great big hug. (laughs) And it was probably the best hug I've ever had in my life. And I think as I, as I think back on it, I felt probably like I can say now it was probably, I was worried I was going to be abandoned by someone who I found. Yeah. And by her coming back and hugging me made me feel so, you know, welcomed or, you know, Wanted. You Yeah, know, it's great. Yeah. You know, Secure. That was, it was an amazing thing. Yeah. So yeah, that, that return know, it,
0: hug I could imagine also made it real. There's the there's the coming face to face, looking each other in the eye and being like, Wow, this is way more than a phone conversation. Like you're a real, real person and here we are face to face. And then I could see how at the end of a, a meal and a chat and a get to know you. You go to the parking lot and you just kind of part ways. You get in your car and you split. But for her to return with sort of an I love you kind of hug is really special. That's really awesome.
1: Yeah, it was. It was, you know. And so, but and so that afternoon, you know, I walked up to the front porch. You know, we we're walking up to a, a condo and there's a lady watering plants. And I go, Is that Mary Ellen? And she goes, well, yes, it is. <laughs> I gave her, you know, I gave her a hug and we went in and of course, you know, you talk, just like probably most adoptees, you don't really remember. You just talk and talk and talk, you know, you got, you know, 58 years to catch up on. Sure. Right. And we, we yapped and then it was time for, you know, and then she said, well, let's go to dinner. And she left and, you know, got freshened up and she came out. And this was the part you were you know one of those things you were kind of worried about because I've heard a couple of adoption stories, not a lot, but she just as she's walking, she goes, "Do you know how I feel about all of this?" And this is my birth mother, you know, after two hours and what and i'm I'm waiting for the well, it's nice to know you, but you know I'm glad we did this, but i really and she goes, "I now feel complete, wow." Yeah. Yeah. And I was really worried that it would be now that we've met, you know, I've given you all the info and you're done. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Take care. What is it? How does that feel to you to make to know that your return completed someone else?
1: um, It took me a long time to understand that. I have to say that actually you're responsible for something that I'm finding very soothing is i i forget her name she's doing the earth mother's real talk
0: yeah d yvonne rivers yeah yeah
1: yvonne rivers yes and those are great stories and it it seems like you know i don't i'm sure not all birth mothers but a lot of them feel that way you know they they want to they do want to reconnect mm-hmm. you know but i didn't know that you know so i find all the adoption podcasts very enlightening and helping guide me through this whole path that you know i've gone through so yeah
0: there's something very uh powerful about hearing a similar story to your own even if it's different in many ways but there's a kinship that comes with being adopted people and you know i've likened it before to maybe being an organ transplant recipient like there's only so many people who know the intensity of what you've been through, you know, or, or someone who has, you know, recovered from addiction or something along those lines, right? Not everybody has that experience. And so you, only you can speak to someone else who has had that experience and have them relate to it. But having that relation and hearing someone else's story and being able to nod your head and say, yep, that was me or no, I didn't happen to me, but I'm, you know, I can empathize with you because that absolutely could have happened to me. You know, there's just something really powerful in hearing the stories of other people and sort of letting them resonate with you in the ways that they do, either to appreciate your own or to empathize with theirs. So I I know exactly what you're saying. It's there's a lot packed into the adoption experience and hearing the stories of others can be really soothing and and therapeutic and and cathartic to tell you know as i'm sure yours is michael and mary ellen have spoken three or four times a week for the last two years and counting it's a strong connection that michael cherishes deeply the next day after meeting his birth mother michael met his brother for the first time the guy brought his kids to meet their new uncle and the fellas sat around chatting all day long
1: and it turns out my sister my new half-sister was texting him all day and he wasn't replying. And finally she texted one of the, one of my, my nephew or my niece, one of the two of them that was sitting there the whole time listening. And she goes, I don't know what's going on, but I've never heard my dad talk so much in his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: hysterical. So, yeah. I know. So That's how the kids but know something special part,
1: is foot. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess you know they don't ever hear their dad talk that much. So, so you know, a couple of months later, you have to you know remember there was like four different people that were connected to me on Twenty Three and Me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of them was my brother's son, right? Hmm, okay. And his percentage was only nine percent, right on Twenty Three and Me. And both on Ancestry and Twenty Three and Me, there was a gentleman named Jeff. At four percent and I'm saying well if my my real live nephew is you know nine percent what about this guy at four percent so I sent him a note via 23 and me and he goes oh you should try to contact you know Sue on um, ancestry she's been looking you know she's been trying to build a family tree and this is how much I really wasn't searching that hard for. And I completely forgotten. I went back on my Ancestry account and like five years ago, this lady sent me a message going, who are you? You're closely related to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't know, you know, I'm adopted. And she goes, oh, well, I'll ask and got a note back, you know, don't know anything about you. So as I'm logging back onto Ancestry a couple hours later, Sue sent me a message. Remember five years ago. I got a message from her like from an hour ago, have you been talking to Jeff? Who Uh, are now? Who are you? And I go? Well, and it turns out that it was my biological father's sister.
0: Wow. Oh, that's
1: great. Yeah. So as it turns out, you know, we had made contact you know, five years ago, and if I wanted to really dig, I could have figured something out. You know, mm-hmm. so he, James, uh, my biological father, he actually passed away about ten years ago. Mm. I'm sorry, but his wife is alive, and he had, he and his wife had, of course, four sons and a daughter. So <laughs> there's half, four more half brothers. Oh
0: my gosh, that is crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really and a half sister. Cool. Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up talking to my, the oldest half brother. We're only uh, 10 months apart from each other. Cause so the, the way it happened was, you know, they had a quick fling My biological mother and, and biological father. He was a senior. She was a sophomore in college and he actually went home and met back up with his high school sweetheart who had, he had, had forever. She went to a different college. They got engaged and six months later got married. Oh, and wow. you know, a couple of months later, she was pregnant. So as my birth mother's going off to the, you know, unwed mother's home, he's getting married. And the million dollar question is still, did did he ever know? You know, right. at this point, you know, we don't know. But it was important to the whole family on his side that, you know, at least it wasn't a thing where was cheating on her or anything you know they were they weren't engaged they were you know they were in college having a good time so on that side definitely you know nobody knew anything about me so it was a big shock as far as that's concerned Mm -hmm. but everybody was really nice you know i mean i i got phone calls from almost everyone even my biological father has seven living brothers and sisters and i've heard from all but two of them you know they called me up and you know, blo- you know, gave me the whole rundown of the family and everything. So it was really nice.
0: Michael's birth father passed away 10 years ago, so the pair never met. The man's brother, Michael's paternal uncle, said it was too bad they never got to meet each other. Michael learns that his paternal side of the family is full of athletes, and he's part of a family of very tall people. Some folks are six foot five. Coincidentally, both Michael's adoptive and birth fathers were huge Chicago Bears football and Chicago Cubs baseball fans.
1: So I went, I flew up to Chicago and my, of course, my half, my brothers are, you know, two of them up there and the sister are huge Bears fan, And we tailgated and went to a Chicago Bears game. And I went to Soldier Field for the very first time and paid tribute to both fathers. You know, I there I am. You know? <laughs> That's cool. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to meet them. They were very, you know, welcoming and everything. It's been harder for them because they didn't know about me. You know, on the maternal side, everybody knew about me, so it was no big shock. You know, so yeah. yeah. But yeah, and then my half brother, the oldest one, he was—he's moving out of this house, and he was kind enough, out of the blue, I get a box in the mail, and he sent me one of one of my biological father's basketball trophies from high school. Oh, that's pretty cool. Which is, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a nice thing to
0: have of his. That's really neat.
1: Yeah, it was. And then the, the other half, which was kind of funny, is that, of course, my adoptive sister, she did 23 Me, and immediately found her whole maternal side of the family.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, and her half-brother that she found, he was at the Bears game. So I went over, shook his hand, and took a picture of him with him and sent it to my my sister. Oh, so yes. she has a picture of her half brother that she's never met, you know, and her adopted brother together shaking hands. So it was a it was it was a fun morning. It was a fun morning. And
0: yeah. her adoptive brother is there sort of paying homage to both his biological and his adoptive father.
1: That's nuts. No, yeah, that was me, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was it was a it was a great morning, you know. We had a lot of fun. And I mean, the whole thing has been, you know, I I have heard stories where they've been, you know, some a little harder than others, but mine have mine has been very nice, you know, everybody has been super, you know, welcoming as yeah. far as that's concerned. So Yeah, that's really great. But you know, but I have to say, you know, I mean so for the last two years I have to say, you know, before this happened, I didn't care about adoption. You know, I mean, I'm part of every adoption Facebook group now. And uh, I have to say, when I look in the mirror, you know what I say? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a joke. I say that because, I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, I look, I have, you know, now I have a a father. I mean, a a biological father that I look like, you know, when I look in the mirror, I see somebody that is a picture. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's, but it's, the, it's, the show is named that for a reason, right? There's, there's the question yeah, that you might absolutely. ask yourself as an adoptee seeking reunion. And that might be the question you ask is, you know, who am I and how do I f- sort of go about figuring this out? And then there's the person that you not become, but discover When you go through a reunion, you realize that you're the product of this type of person and the product of that type of person. And now your relationship with your, you know, adoptive parents have changed in the following ways. And and the question comes up again, like I'm now part of and in between two families. And so you could still ask yourself sort of who am I as it relates to both families. It's yeah, it's. When I was driving along and I thought of the name of the show, I was like, oh, yeah, that absolutely fits
1: that. That is it's perfect. Yeah. So, but, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, you start to become self-aware about, which is, I think, is a good thing. Like my wife always thought that I was, you know, a really nice guy because I lost touch with old friends and coworkers. You know, I always call them and keep in touch. And now I realize it is more of a separation anxiety kind of thing. You know, I don't want to lose connection, yeah. you know, yeah. with them, you know, and I, I call that an adoption thing. I mean, as, as far as that's, that's concerned. So, yeah, but, you know, it's been you know, it's been really nice. I mean, like I said, I talk to mom all the time. And then last summer in 2020, we actually made it down to Vero Beach my whole family, my, my boys and, you know, the whole family got down there and I rented a room for my biological mother and she got to come over and meet the whole family, you know, which was really nice. You know, that was, it was important for me to her, for her to see what, you know, what she created. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh,
0: at the root of that family tree, right?
1: That's right. Yep. And then this year I turned 60 in January and my sister turned 50. And we actually got a beach house in St. Augustine and we all went down together, <laughs> you <laughs> know, with with half brother and mom. And we had a kind of, a, you know, everyone got just you, my wife and I, you know, and we spent our birthday together, which that's, was, you know, that's new. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah those yeah. are so, even though you've lost years of experiences once the reunion starts and is going reasonably well, and you can make these kinds of new memories, it's really fulfilling, right?
1: Yeah. 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 So, but the, the most recent, the fun thing that happened in the last few months, well, the last six months was that I found my vaccination book, you know, when I was a baby mm-hmm. and it turns out, <laughs> which is really weird. turns out that my, my adoptive mom and dad, we only lived when they brought me home to Glenview, Illinois. We only lived a mile away from my paternal, from my birth father wow. and his family. Really? Uh, and then I dug a little deeper. We all had the same pediatrician. Really? And now this is small town Chicago, right? And so my maternal grandfather, my, my birth mother's father was a doctor. So you're in a small town outside of Chicago, what's the chances that the doctor and the pediatrician know something?
0: Yeah, that's very interesting.
1: And what nobody's alive to confirm this. But then what makes it even worse is that both well, of course, my mom and dad, loved, you know, my adopted mom and dad, and my maternal grandfather, grandfather, and grandmother they love to drink matter of fact my maternal grandmother died of alcoholism mm-hmm. right and guess who owned the local glenview inn which was not an inn it was a bar and tavern mm. who's that was my paternal grandfather
0: oh my so, god overlapping stories all over the place man
1: the problem is is we don't know if anybody knew each other
0: Michael said his reunion has been a really positive experience on both sides. When I asked about how sharing his reunion went with his adoptive parents, Michael shared that his adoptive father has been deceased for 3 decades. With his mom, he decided to first reveal that he had found his paternal family because he wasn't sure how she might react to the news that he had found his maternal family too.
1: I went down the road and I said, "Well, maybe they know, they might know who the maternal side is and I'll let you know and I just couldn't leave it be I had to let her know you know that I had found everyone and she was kind of okay with it but she's 91 now she's not 100% she's a, kind of with it but you know not 100% with it I, I I don't know how she feels about it to be honest with you mm-hmm. she did make the comment well you don't when I told her that I had found my maternal mother she goes well you don't call her mom do you and I go no I don't <laughs> <laughs> which hate to say it, Damon, but I do call her mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. protecting her. Right? Every once, yeah. Every once in a while, uh, you know, I'll go, Hey mom, how's it going? And you know, she, and the first time I did it, she paused for a second and she goes, yep, I own it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so cute.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been, you know, we're going to go see him in December and it's, you know, between Christmas and new year's, we'll go down to Tampa and see him again. And actually the neat thing about it is that my wife and her, they really, really get along. And my adoptive mom never actually never ever talked to my wife. She doesn't, you know, that's just not part of her DNA. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's a funny thing with
0: the with the biological moms and, and the wives. I had a similar situation with my own adoptive and biological mothers and my wife, wherein My wife and my adoptive mother didn't get along. And unfortunately, my mother suffered mental illness. So I suspect that that was a large portion of it. But then I get this second opportunity when I found my biological mother. And I was like, well, maybe they'll get along. And they did. (laughs) You know, they were sweet. And it was really nice to offer my wife a second opportunity at a mother-in-law that she could get along with. But also my mother... My biological mother an opportunity to be a mother-in-law you know what i mean so it's kind of fascinating yeah i I hear where you're coming from in terms of that second relationship happening
1: yeah it's been it's been great i mean a matter of fact my wife's sister and brother lives down in florida down in the tampa area and my my wife flew down there she spent the night with my biological mother oh (laughs) wow that's cool yeah Yeah, they really, you know, I mean, they hit it off, you know, it's, you know, it's perfect, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's been, it's been an adventure, but it's also, you know, it's always, it's nice to hear other stories. I mean, we started Adoptees Connect here in Atlanta. There's only two of us, but, you know, we've started. And so. That's great. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mm -hmm. Tiffany and I have had like three Zoom calls and we're going to dinner next week. My husband and my wife and I, we're going to go meet for the first time. So, Oh, that's be really cool.
0: All right. Well, if anybody yeah. wants to reach out to me and try to connect with you to join Adoptees Connect in Atlanta, I'll be sure to make sure they link up with you.
1: There you go. So, that's awesome. Fantastic.
0: Very good. Very good. Mike, this has been amazing, man. I'm really glad to hear that you have this positive reunion experience, especially one that has so much nature infused within it in terms of all of the connections i mean it's just incredible to hear all of the ways that you are similar to your sister to your biological mother height of your your biological father and stuff is just really fascinating good for you and i'm glad that the relationships are going well too
1: well i agree i appreciate your time and and what you do you know for the community and giving me a chance to tell my story no. even though I'm long-winded about it.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's those are the interesting details, right? When you're short-winded about it, you leave oh. out some stuff that's really interesting and it's the nitty-gritty stuff, how you feel, how the yeah. search went, how yeah. you know others felt and how they treated you. You know, that the point you made about your sister coming back for a huge hug, that's important to you and that kind of thing resonates with other people and it's important for them to hear your perspective in its entirety, and I'm glad you took time to share it. So thanks for being here, Mike.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for your time.
0: Yeah, man. Take care. All the best. Have a great evening, okay? Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's me. Michael started off in a family with some dysfunction that led him down a path of substance abuse and seemingly self-destructive behavior, but he turned his life around from living with excess weight, to a focus on physical health that transformed him into a triathlete. I'm always amazed to hear adoptees share that, in reunion, they found a special bond with their biological family, and Michael's connection to his sister as a fellow triathlete and Def Leppard fan did not disappoint. What a surprise it must have been for his birth mother to learn that her son had found the family and that his existence, which she thought was a secret, wasn't that at all. I love that he got the chance to tell her thanks for the choice she made back in 1960. And that he got to pay homage to his adoptive and birth fathers with a trip to the Chicago Bears game. Michael's story is infused with many themes of nature versus nurture. I hope you find positive similarities between yourself and your birth family too. I'm Damon Davis and I hope you found something in Michael's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash WAI Really. And you can check out the story of my adoption journey. Who am I really an adoptee memoir on amazon.com. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.